Well, thank you so much for all the, uh, the joy of worshiping God in song. Uh, thank you, Sister Diane, for your presentation regarding the Ukraine. Thank you, JC, for playing, and Sister Irene and Brother Kai. Thank you all for your prayers and your presence here today. We pray the Lord will bless us in a most special way to enjoy Him. I say that really on purpose because my, my subject today is assurance. And assurance and joy are really, really close together. And so may the Lord bless us to appreciate that. We're dealing again with the acronym CRAZY, C-R-A-Z-Y. And we've talked about conviction and last week responsibility. And today we want to talk about assurance. You know, I, I, I guess you've noticed in my course over the years in preaching, I often have themes, a thematic kind of preaching. A lot of preachers do that. You know, frankly, I really think that's a sign of laziness. I think lazy preachers do things, and I put myself in that category. And I say that because most of the time you have somewhere to go. You don't have to dig and look what you're going to preach. You know, it's kind of laid out there for you. However, I do think it has a purpose often sometimes, and I think this time today has that because it just happens to fall that you preach on a subject you might not come in and do unless it's in line on that theme that you set out and that you trust God to say it. Because I'm going to tell you, you probably haven't heard many sermons on assurance. Uh, I know I haven't preached many here. You might have heard them somewhere else. I don't think many primitive Baptist preachers preach that, but I think it ought to be preached every day and lived in such a way. It's such a joy and what a blessing it is that we have insurance. Assurance, really, if you define it, is a, a, is a positive declaration of an absolute truth with the intent of building up your confidence. That's what we need in our world today. That's what the church is for. We are a building an edifice. We need to be gathering to build up our confidence, our assurance. And I pray that God would help us do that. I wanted to use a, an example, of course, in Scripture. No matter what subject you pe preach, if it's not in God's Bible, it, it's not going to amount to much, no, nothing if you don't have God right in the middle of it. That applies to every of our life. But when we do put God where He uh, rightly ought to be in the center of our lives, we're going to have assurance. We are, and we need that so desperately in our world today. So may the Lord bless us. I wish you would take your Bibles now and let's turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 3. In the book of Daniel we find so many episodes of people that were crazy. What I mean by that, when you're crazy you will do things the world just don't understand. Would you please stand with me? I want you to do something with me while we, before we go to the scripture. I want you to look at the person beside you and say, to them out loud, you must be crazy. Would you say that? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's true. It's so true. May the Lord bless you. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm going to read in this Bible God's truth. And that's what this book is. Maybe the only truth you hear today, but it's true. Absolutely true. What he says is absolutely going to happen. And we don't need to doubt it. We can be sure of it because God has promised it. What I'm about to read is kind of the high point of an episode where King Nebuchadnezzar made an idol 
in Babylon. He thought so much of himself, he made it just like he wanted it. And he had already exalted these three Hebrews, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You remember they were carried there captive, okay? But he had noticed that they had something about them that was a little bit different, and he liked it. So he gave them this uh, providential uh, leadership position. But he made this statue, and he said, I want everybody to bow down and worship this statue. When you hear certain music, a flute, dulcimer, different things he names, I want you to bow down and worship it. The only problem is Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego did not do it. They didn't do it. They didn't dance by the world's tune, okay? People will notice that when you start standing up for God. And so what he cited, he said it already made the green. Now, if you don't do it, you're going in a fiery furnace. You're going to die, he thought. So they didn't do it anyway. You thought they would be crazy, you know? Absolutely crazy. The king said, you're going to go in the furnace and you're going to die if you don't worship this idol. Now, none of us have ever put that that position, but a lot of us are involved in idol worship. And I pray the day that we can find that strength that only God can give us. Because he is the source of our assurance, that we can face whatever we're having to face. Because so many people today are running from everything because they don't want to face the pain. And there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of shame and failures in our life. But God is the cure for that, and he's gave us assurance. Now I want you to look, listen with me as we read what God says, what happened to these three young men. And I want you to pick assurance out of it, and I want you to ask God to help you to be crazy in love with the Lord Jesus so that you will stand for him. Because if you don't stand with God, you will fall for anything. I'm going to start reading at verse 16. I'm going to read three verses, I think. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Would you please be seated? Thank you for joining me with that. Now that is a classical statement, but it's classical crazy. What these guys were saying, and look, I'm not going to serve this false god. I know that my God can help me, deliver me. There was not, he might. If I do this, he will. He says he will. He do it. He will do it. I don't know if he will or not, but I know he can. But even if he doesn't, it's okay. Because I know that I'm in his hands. I'm not going to be bitter if it don't work out like I thought it should. Maybe there's something in your life, you know, life like that is like that. Don't be bitter because something's happened in your life 
Somebody has done you wrong or you've done something so wrong you think you're too far gone. You're not, okay? God is able to do all things. Nothing is too hard for God. What we need to do, though, is understand that we have to be sure of God. Do you know God? Because if you know God, they are certain situations, responses that you will have to life. To do life, we need to be sure. You can't have a relationship that has much meaning if you don't have assurance. Your marriage would be just flat miserable if you couldn't have assurance in the spouse that God has you with. A little child when they're left to the daycare or, a, or someone's house and their mom or their daddy leaves, they would just go berserk if they didn't have confidence that that parent is going to come back and they would return. In God's economy, we are called to follow Jesus. And in doing that, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. What we need to understand in life is that oftentimes our plan B is God's plan A. Do not ever forget that God always writes the last chapter, no matter what it looks like falling apart. I imagine that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they just did by what they felt or the way things seemed, man, how could they respond like this? I'm going to say they were crazy. They were so crazy about God that they did not want to deny him. They were going to live for him who died for them. They were going to be a witness to God. And you know what? In that profound platform that God blessed them to be a part of, to bring them into the kingdom for such a time as this, just like Esther last week. That king who thought so much of himself because what they did, the stand they took, and the fiery furnace they were involved in, and how they were delivered in it, and Jesus was in there with them. This king, God changed his heart. And we see in the last part of this very chapter that this king Nebuchadnezzar, who had issued the decree to worship him, made an amends to that. And he reversed that. And he said, worship the one true living God. Worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to tell you, friends, your witness... Your assurance will show. It will. And so we pray that God would bless us as we look at this subject. And I can only probably touch it, I bet. I want to use three thoughts about assurance and how important that is. Now, I want you to know, you do not have to have assurance to get to heaven. Okay? You don't have to have it. Lots of people get to heaven, or will be, have been, are there now that they had a lot of doubts and fears? 
They will. Now, you won't get there without Jesus. See, he's the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the deal. Why not have heaven when we die and heaven on earth? You know, you can have both. That's what assurance does. Why, when David said in Psalms uh, 53, Lord, or 51, he says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He might as well have said, Lord, restore unto me the assurance of my salvation. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you saved? I'm talking about eternally saved. That's a good question. You need to answer that. And you need to have assurance about your answer. Not about have I done enough. You know, we we walk through life, we make a profession of faith, and every time we have a little lump come up somewhere in our body, we wonder, what have I done? I'm going to get cancer. I know. I'm going to suffer for my sins. I want you to know that God has paid your sin debt. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have assurance. Or do you? You know, if you're like me, sometimes I was thinking, I've had some struggles in my life lately, prayer and you pray to God to help you, and you know what you do? I get up and tote that stuff around me. In my mind, I still doubt where God can do it or not. Did you know that the worst grief that we give to our Lord and Savior is to doubt Him? He has scars. He convinced Thomas he didn't have to touch them, but he said, oh Lord, my God, my Lord and my God, he said. Let's do not doubt God. That is a sin that grievously hurts God. Let's believe him and trust him. The apostle Paul said in Acts 24, he says, I want to finish my course with joy. And I pray that you and I will leave this building today saying that with the assurance that we need. You know, Diane, when you went to the Ukraine in that group, you brought some money with you. But that was nothing compared to the assurance you brought. The assurance you brought that somebody cared, that that there was help on the way. And that's what we need, assurance. And God is the source of that assurance. He gives it to us. And we need to bless him and understand that. The first thing I want to say is there's a course in life. We all have. The apostle Paul says he is about to die physically. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. He says, I've finished my course. Now, don't you want to finish well? Don't care what age you are in life. You ask God to help you. Lord, I want to, I want to be sure. David When he was surrounded by enemies in Psalms 35, verse 3, he said, Say unto my soul, thou art my salvation. He said that to God. That's what we need to say. Lord, tell me you're all my salvation. Tell me, Lord, it's going to be all right. Because it is. So there's a course we got to say, and God has called us to walk with that. 
and with joy. We're going to have trials and struggles. Satan is a slanderer. He wants to take away the joy of assurance. And you know, religion, even preachers in our world today, give this watered-down gospel. All right? You can be saved. Just pray this prayer. Call this number. Do this. And I imagine multitudes flock to that. But when it's all said and done, it fades in the byways of life. When it really gets down to where the rubber meets the road and and we have to deal with heartbreak and sin. And we're, we're, we're made to think that everybody's all right. That we're not all that bad. And we'll never have a revival until truth is proclaimed. And so when I ask you, are you a sinner? You say yes. Because we understand that to have the assurance we need that Jesus is our Savior, we have to say, yes, God, I'm a sinner. Because he came to save sinners. See, we need to see assurance in our courts is twofold. One, it's subject, uh, objective. Two, it's subjective. What I mean by objective, they are verses in God's Word that profoundly declare that you can have assurance. No, I'm not saying to be presumptuous about it. You know, I'm saved and boast about it. It doesn't mean that. It ought to humble us. You know, in order to show you the genuineness of, of God's care in our life. You know, there are people sometimes that every other sentence they say is, I love you. They are preachers that preach, and about every other verse they say is, Amen. Now, they might be some good in that stuff, but it gives me the feeling that's a little bit fake. We need to understand that God loves us with an everlasting love. That little child that that plays. You know, I remember growing up in the country. Well, I knew my mama was in that house. I could go outside and walk in the fields and climb trees. I had assurance that my mama was there. I didn't have to hold on to her coattail all day. We need to understand that about God. We can't see him, but he's there, and he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He won't in all the courts of our life. Turn with me in the Bible for assurance. I'm talking about objective assurance. The whole book of 1 John is a book of assurance. That's what it's about. In 1 John chapter 5, it says in verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now in that verse, you see the twofold manifestation of assurance. Number one is objective. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? That he came from God that he was born of a virgin, 
that he's 100% God and 100% man, that he lived a sinless life, that he went to the cross and he died and he shed his blood for you. He rose again the third day. Do you understand that the subjective part of that is that God's spirit has been given to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't ask for it. It came with God's saving grace. God does not ask his permission to save anybody. He doesn't. But he gives them his spirit. He says, because of that, you have some love about you. Your desires change. You love people in a way you didn't love them before. You love the word of God. You hate sin. See, you must be born again means you must be crazy. Nicodemus had to think that when Jesus said, you must be born again. He could have said in response, are you crazy? No. It is a miracle, my friends, that you're sitting here today and you have the Holy Spirit of God in your heart, in your soul, and you have different desires. When I'm talking about assurance, no, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about direction, okay? See, God has declared you when you trusted him as your Lord and Savior, righteous, justified you freely by his grace. But you've got to walk with him. There's some things the Holy Spirit's not going to do for you. You got it? What is that saying? You got to be about as happy as you make your mind to be? You're going to have to be assured about as much as you make up your heart to be assured. You can live this life doubting and wondering and running from the devil all your life you want. But you'll miss a lot of blessings. And you won't be able to convince a lot of people just how good God is. Verse 18 of first chapter of that verse says, of that chapter 5 of John, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now listen to that. That's scary to me. I know I'm a sinner. Don't you? But he says, Who know, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. That verse means we're going to still sin. You're going to have doubts. I'm going to have doubts. But what's going to happen is we're not going to have a lifestyle of it. We're not going to enjoy it. Actually, we're going to hate it. We're going to struggle with it. Pain is so real, and if we don't obey God in it, we'll turn to some drug or some pleasure or some vice. When we need to be understanding that we have been made accepted, according to Ephesians 1, in Jesus Christ. We don't accept Him. He has made us accepted in the beloved and has made us blameless before Him. So now, if you want to blame yourself, you go right ahead. But God's not. God has taken care of that. Won't you understand that and believe him that as you walk this course? 
we see that. May God help us to understand it. See, the subjective part is, like Romans 8 tells us, the Spirit of God beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I hear people talking about they didn't grow up in a, in a doctrinal church that embraces predestination election. I said, well, what if you believe in the Lord Jesus, trust Him as your Savior, and you're not one of the elect? I said, it's impossible. That won't ever happen. So I want to say to you, whatever you think about election, if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you believe He's the Christ, that He died for you, that He rose again, then you, my friend, are one of the elect. You can be sure of that. It doesn't matter to me if you go to a Methodist, Episcopalian, or a Jogalarian. It doesn't matter. You trust God. You are God's child, and you can be sure that your way is going to be made by Almighty God. You were saved before the foundation of the world. And God said through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1.6, He that has become, began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter 1.10, Make your calling and election sure. Be sure. You be sure of your salvation. That is so important that we have that and that we enjoy that. Rejoice in that. And then I think about the consequences of this. And we see that in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What was it? Boldness is what? They had boldness. When you really have the assurance that God is your God. You know why I think in our world today everybody's afraid of everything. From COVID to the economy. And the reason that is, I believe, is we've lost our confidence in God. We want to depend on everything else. And the government wants us to. But we've got to get back to the truth and the assurance that God is in control. And, ever, and these three Hebrews knew that. And even though the circumstances didn't happen, the consequences was God. You know what can happen? When you have assurance. And does it always mean that God's going to take all your problems away? Sometimes he doesn't calm the storm, but he calms you. See, when the disciples were asleep on the boat in the storm, they had assurance in the boat. Jesus. The scripture says, He keepeth him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. You be sure and you live like you're sure because that will give you the boldness to face temptations. 
we're going to have them. And problems. But I'll tell you what. No matter what sin we've committed. You know what Isaiah, when he was saw the lift, lifted up God in holiest in Isaiah chapter 6. And he understood that he was an unclean man with unclean lips. I put myself right in that category. But when God gave him the assurance that his sins had been dealt with and he sent that coal from the altar and touched his lip, which is emblematic of what Christ has done on the cross, Isaiah was ready to go. He said, Lord, here I am. Send me. Moses, God said, you go Moses and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses said, I can't do it. And God said in Exodus 4, what's in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, throw it down. See, you know, so many times God tells us in our life to do things and impresses us and we say, I can't do it. We're not sure. We got to throw down what's in our hands and give it to God. And just like God made that cane or staff become a scorpion or snake and, and then he picked it up and it was a cane again. God was just showing Moses. It doesn't matter what you have. What matters is your confidence is in me. Because I told you this. Now here it is, guys. God has told us if you trust in Jesus Christ and you believe, you are a child of God. You're forgiven. Now, that's what God said. I'm not some little preacher going to tell you that. I can't convince you of that, but the subjective spirit that lives in you, you know where your heart is, God. You know what you struggle with. And the very fact that you do ought to give you the convincing evidence of the assurance that you're one of God's children. And you know, lastly, is what have I said? Course. I wanted to say that because these guys had a course. You don't know your course is different. Everybody has a different one. Paul said my course. He didn't say the course. But it's a course in life that God has given us to manifest. Are we sure? Do we know God? Not about God. It doesn't matter what kind of degree in theology you have. There's a lot of those folks that don't know much about God. They know a lot about theology. See, you don't have to be able to pray out loud for God to love you and to be his child. You hear me? You don't. My little children, my little grandchildren come over to the house. They don't talk to me perfectly and act perfectly. But they just as much mine as anything. You know it too. Yours the same way. That's how God sees us. We're not in some sort of performance treadmill with God. Don't you know that? God's not going to look at us and say, well, how good did you do? We've got to understand we're nothing. We're wretched sinners. That's what we are. You ask most people on the street today when you religious interview, you say, you think you're a pretty good person? They'll say, yeah, I do. You might think that. And compared to me, you might be. <laughs> but compared to God, we deserve to go to hell. And we would be unless God has assured us that we're not. 
Now, I believe heaven's going to be full of surprises. I believe there's going to be a lot of people in heaven that we didn't think would get there. But on a downer note, there's going to be people there that are not there, rather, that I thought might be there. What we don't preach enough is when Jesus says in Matthew 7, when those people came to him, protesting of what they had done for him in his kingdom, he said, no, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I'll tell you what, to be sure of your salvation will make your dying a lot easier. And it'll also help the preacher a lot, preaching your service. I guarantee you, it will. You don't have to get up there and try to preach somebody into heaven. So people know the direction you're going. I, again, didn't say perfection. It's about direction, sanctification. God's shaping you and molding you in your life. Well, just briefly, contentment. I, I, I just get the picture as I close. These three guys were just content with whatever it was that happened. Are you? If you have assurance, you can be. Now, there's some things you can't control and I can't control. But notice what they said. They said, whatever happens. See, we don't need to be carrying bitterness in our life because something didn't work out like we thought it should. Man, I was just thinking today, oh, how many regrets I have. When my young daughter actually was just a little girl, things I didn't do. I mean, you know what? I can beat up myself on that. But you've got to understand that God is working all this out. You've got to be sure of that. You've got to make sure you're so sure that your children know you're sure. That this business of church and of God and of Jesus is just not some facade that I make me feel good so people will like me. It's a desperate way that we have to live in this world with a relationship with the Almighty Creator. And who have saved us. They were content. You know, Hebrews 13 says, I have learned to be content with whatsoever state I am. Have you learned that? It's a tough lesson. But it shows if you really are assured. You know, a lot of us have insurance. Got burial insurance, fire insurance. But many of us don't have assurance, see, that we lose all. And we have God. It's a pretty good deal. Romans 14, 8, the Apostle Paul says, if we live, we are the Lord's. If we die, we are the Lord's. If we live, therefore, or if we die, we are the Lord's. Now see, you can be sure of your salvation. You don't have to have some experience. You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to be thinking about, well, maybe I can make it at least to purgatory and then get good enough. All that's a lie, by the way. 
What you need to understand is you're sure because Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon me, and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. That is assurance. That is peace, my friends. Do something crazy for God every day. To show people, the world, that you love him. And that you're going to have to be different. That's what you're going to have to be. Join the church. Man, you must be crazy. You must be. You must be. Just like you must be born again. But since you are, you have assurance yeah, we're going to sin, but you know what? God's going to chasten us. He's going to bring us back. He is. Always does. Always will. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13. Would you bow with me? Dear Heavenly, most precious Father, we thank you for the assurance that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the example that our Lord sent in his humanity, though God he was. That even though, Lord, he called upon you to consider some other means of the suffering that he had to bear, he therefore, Lord, surrendered his will. Nevertheless, my, not my will, but thine be done, he said. And then on the very cross, when our sins there he bore, in such horrific Enmity against you was born because of our sins that were given to him for us. He was forsaken by his heavenly Father. And yet, Lord, his last words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He was sure, O God, of you. May we be that sure May we live in the assurance of your grace, the joy of enjoying you in this life we live on earth. No matter what the bumps and the bruises and the curves and the disappointments and the failures or the mountaintop experiences we've had, that we treasure you so much, oh God, believe you so steadfastly that we would do some very crazy things that doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to those around us. But you know our heart, and we give it to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.